Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Interverse Podcast with me, your host, Chance. And wherever you are out there in the cosmos, I hope you're feeling just as inspired about your life as I am right now for getting to do this as my job. By the time you are hearing this, we'll have passed through the gates of judgment with the fall equinox, and it's all downhill from there as we enter Libra season and reaffirm our intentions to find the balance in all things. And to truly bring equity to the scales of our perception, it seems clear enough to me that the center of ourselves is the best place to be. But to triangulate our place in this alchemical creation we call nature, we have to assess both sides of every equation so that our philosophy, judgments, and personal energy fields are as just and stable as the as-above-so-below symmetry of the world. In the words attributed to Pythagoras, God geometrized in creating the world. He built the universe on number, and there are few living men in the realm today who have taken that axiom to heart as passionately as our returning guest, Marty Leeds. Since his last visit to Interverse back in January of this year, Marty has stayed the course, dedicated to teaching the mysteries of the good book and growing his congregation as Christianity's most profound preacher at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. And he's also moved to Missouri, making us practically neighbors, which my wife and I couldn't be more grateful and excited about. In his Sunday sermon live streams, Marty riffs on the logos, morality, astrotheology, and mathematical motifs from many mythological traditions. And the all-important septenary cipher encoded in the English alphabet is at the center of it all. And although some wielders of gematria are the types who fiddle with the numbers until they can show the pattern they're looking for, the true value in alpha and alphanumerical notions comes from ruminating on God's in, eternal encouragement for us to solve the riddle of finding the middle. Using the skeleton key to every lock in the kingdom of heaven, the deliciously transcendental mathematical principle that we call pi, which is what I plan to focus a lot on in our conversation today as the wisdom encoded in pi is as endless as the never ending string of numbers that compose it. So make sure to check out the Gnostic Academy 
at GnosticAcademy.org for more of Marty's work accumulated over an impressive array of videos and podcasts, as well as show some support for this champion of truth and enlighten yourself at the same time by picking up one of his many books like Pi and the English Alphabet, Volumes 1 through 3, Scripture in the Stars, and Lord Jesus Christ. Got to rep my book collection there upside down, but just to name a few. And now it's time to blow some minds like only the magic of mathematics can with the pyromaniacal professor of life's alpha numerical perfection, the one and only brother Marty Leeds. Thanks for coming on the show and welcome back to Interverse, man. Thank you, man. That's for the people in Australia. So if they want to read it, you know what I'm saying? Upside down. So that's <laughs> terrible, so, terrible joke. To I see you're outside. You're, you're enjoying the, the beautiful existence that is Missouri in September. How's the movement treating you, man? Oh, it's beautiful, man. Honestly, um, moving to Missouri has been pretty fantastic. Um, the neighbors are great. Uh, I mean, every, I mean, the weather's been good. I mean, we we're just living in a tent right now and, um, but it's been fine. You know, we're getting electric tomorrow and everything's just kind of cooking. So, um, it's been good. Yeah. So and it's beautiful. The weather's been just fantastic. It really has. So I think you're going to like it here. There's a reason why I never left. It's totally yeah. awesome. We're neighbors now. It's we're recording, ahead, sorry. we're recording this when we are so that we can premiere it instead of going live and have a face-to-face dinner with our mutual friends, Permi Bear and Topher Gardner. I'm just trying to make everybody out there jealous. We're going to have an awesome Sunday no. fun day. <laughs> yeah, as you're watching, yeah, as you're watching this right now, we should be out to dinner, right? Yeah, so having with uh, Permi Bear and I know his... His wife is pregnant and she could she could bust at any time. So so he had mentioned he's like, well, yeah, we'll see you there unless she has a baby. And I was like, okay, well, that's awesome either way. So, yeah. So looking forward to dinner, too. It's going to be fun. So, yeah, it's cool to actually it's cool to actually have neighbors and friends that you can just openly speak to. You know, we don't we've we've pretty much never had that. So now it's just like when we meet people, it's just like you can talk about anything. There's no you don't have to do that whole like, are you cool with this and cool with that? It's just like, you know, and that's awesome. So it is a beautiful thing, man. So why don't you give us some updates on your work since, you know, we last talked back in January for people that haven't been following as closely as I have over at the weekly Sunday sermons. What's new at the Gnostic Academy? Well, actually, lots of things. So, yeah, I mean, number one, we've been doing the Sunday sermons and been dedicated to that. I spend, you know, a lot of time putting those together just once a week. But, you know, they're 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 jam packed. At least I like to think they're jam packed. You know, I do a lot of I I try to. Oh, my Lord. I'm going bees or sorry, we're outside. Um, I do my best to try to jam pack as much in like an hour, you know, two hours that you can so that you'll get you'll get meat for the rest of the week kind of thing. There's stuff you can mull over or think about that sort of thing. Um, and it's not for everybody. You know, you have to pay attention. It's not just entertainment. You have to focus. You have to want to be there and that sort of thing. Um, but it's good. So, yeah, so we've been doing that. And right now uh, in the works, we're um, hopefully, fingers crossed, we have somebody working on Art for Children's book. And that's written and ready to go. And I'm super excited about that. And I can't wait for that to come out because it's I just really love the story and everything like that. Jennifer just started editing uh, The Tenets of the Order, 
that I've written. And that's basically going over all the things that essentially we teach and um, the perspectives of the church. So that way, if somebody wants to be like, well, what do you guys think? They have like, you know, about a hundred, 120 page book. That's like, this is what Gnosticism is. This is what astrotheology is. This is true cosmology. This is what we think about reincarnation. This is what we think about diet and exercise. This is what we think about this and this, you know what I mean? So it goes through all of that. She just started editing that last night and she, she was like, first time reading it. And I was just sitting here doing my Sunday sermon and I heard from the tent. She's like, Kevin. I was like, what? It's like, this is really good. <laughs> so I was like, yes, nice. So looking forward to that. And then hopefully she wouldn't lie to you either. <laughs> well, I don't know. Anyway, she wouldn't lie to you guys. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and then hopefully if I have time, I've got another book already in the hopper that I want to write called The Twelve Disciples of the Zodiac. And that will be like another short, probably 100 page, 120 page book, essentially making all the correlations to the disciples of the Zodiac, why, you know, they are the particular signs that they are, um, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. So that's kind of in the work. And I hope that gets done this year as well, because I mean, it's all here. I just got to sit down and write it kind of thing. And then, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of stuff going on. Um, like we're getting the property prepared next year. Like we, I just put the, we're getting a sign put up here pretty soon. So we got somebody in a couple people in the church that are actually helping us work on a sign that we're going to put up. We're getting a, a whole property landscape. So hopefully next year we can do a gathering, at least have some people out for, you know, whatever it is, do, um, you know, literally do baptisms in the the river that we have just over here. So like, yeah, no joke. There's, it's actually, there's a part of the river called like, baptist point or something it's hilarious dude it's like the closest river here anyway so yeah i mean there's just a lot going on also i just hooked up with um greg arcade he's got a basically do um diy sort of independent music record label that he just sort of runs himself you know but, but so i'm going to start having records on that site and i've got two that i've written um that i just need to record and hopefully we'll do that next year at some point and get those going so i mean there's just tons of stuff going on and we're not stopping you know it's just it's just full steam ahead you know so um yeah and the community by the way is fantastic like everybody that shows up at the church like if you just go to the sunday sermons and you just sit in that you'll see it you know the people in the the comments and you know that they're just there they're ready to learn they're ready to actually form and grow a community they're ready to actually be adult and be cool with one another and not be douchebags you know it's it's it, it's literally exactly what we wanted you know as far as like building something cool from the ground floor it's got to have full integrity full dignity you know no despair no depression no you know anything and um it's working it's working so it's awesome the no despair part is so crucial because this ain't your true for Gnosticism, <laughs> you know, like big bad demiurge simulation. Everything is designed to loose me where type of crybaby black pill, quote unquote, Gnosticism. I mean, that isn't mm -hmm. really even Gnosticism, but unfortunately, it's always worth making that distinction to set yourself apart from the way that the idea has been co-opted and misunderstood through time and memorial as, in my opinion, the ultimate excuse for victimhood that one could actually ever take on, which is that this is this world is somehow evil and uh, the creator of it is not the God isn't the real God and all of that stuff. It just doesn't just doesn't fly to to logic or to experience. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just having that conversation in the comment section. And uh, one of the guys was, you know, that's there quite a bit. He was actually asking about this. He's like, well, it does kind of act in, like there is a simulation aspect to our reality. Yes, yes, yes. That we And that's and what we're you know, what we're specifically addressing is what you're addressing is that this it's a simulation and it's made by a bad guy and you're trapped and it's evil and some demiurge tricked God and there's no meaning. It's like all of that that's being pushed. That's quote unquote Gnosticism. I just fly right in the face of and I'm like, no, you do that and you take that position. And next thing you know, somebody tricked God and there's no meaning and there's no, you know, all of that, There, you know, the mysteries are gone. There's no light. Why should you do anything like it's just all of it? It just becomes this damn mess. And it's just not true. You know what I mean? It's you, you You really go down the road of like philosophy and theology 101 and you can immediately find huge issues with that perspective. But it's being peddled right now because people can't see the light. They've spent so much time, you know, being being taught to be in, in victimhood and despair that it's like, you know, they can't in this sense lift themselves up by their own bootstraps or allow Christ to, if you will. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's uh, so we're doing our best to try to. um I don't know, clarify that, you know, and that's what the tenets of the order is about. I actually have about 15 pages where I address that specifically. I'm like, you know, no, 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 This is, you know, this is what we teach. So anyway, but. Oh, and it, it really does work because I know for my wife, actually, she's told, you know, who you're also good friends with. She got me into your work and introduced me to you and everything that I'm pretty sure that she would attribute you as the point in her journey where waking up to all the conspiracy in the world, that boogeyman under every rock type of thing that can happen when you go down those rabbit holes, you snapped her out of it or showed her that, you know, 666 isn't evil and numbers aren't evil. And there, <laughs> who's your boogeyman? There's no boogeyman. That's all an illusion. It's smoke and mirrors. So what I mean to bring that up for is because it really does work. It really does lift people up who are ready to see past that, who it doesn't feel right for them that that the, the whole, you know, downward spiral that comes along with such a negatively tinted filter on your perceptions. Well, I'm in this sense, I'm just sharing my journey through truth, right? Like I was just always this intensely fierce, you know, bullheaded truth seeker. And so I went down and honestly, even though I wasn't like a conspiracy theorist and stuff like that, that wasn't my impetus. But obviously, whenever you get into any sort of truth seeking, that happens. You're going to get confronted with the darkness, the evil, the conspiracies. Why is the world so fucked up? That sort of thing. And in that journey, that does send you down. That's why they call it the rabbit hole and all that sort of stuff. And I, I just learned that, like, yes, you can keep going and going down that road, but there is light there. That's what you find like I, as I, and I make I make the metaphor that eventually it's like you actually do hit a bottom and realize there is a bottom to the darkness, but there is no top to the light. It just keeps going and going and going. And so what you do, what you do is you find people. And I actually had at Music and Sky, somebody specifically come up to me and and ask me about this, about how he and his basically his especially his girl, you know, that they've been together a couple of years and she's really into that. It's like it's just concentrating on conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy. It's like, yes, you need to know about it. You can't be ignorant. You can't be dumb about it. You have to look it in its face. But then you have to realize that if you're just rolling around down there, then they got you. That's exactly where they want you. 
And then you realize that it's like, no, actually there is light on the other side of that. And the people that do come out of that, they get, they're stronger, they're more bold, they have that fortitude and strength. They actually come to the recognition that God is a very, very real thing. It's not just some nice philosophy or no, God is provable. You can actually see God work in your life in crazy magical ways. And so the people that actually do go down and get out, it's like, they're all, that's the whole, like, um, you know, kind of being reborn thing in one sense. You know what I mean? Like you become a, you become a better, stronger person. And that's what any honest, genuine spiritual pursuit should do, should bring you into hell and then bring you right back up to heaven, you know? So. Yep. That's what we're trying to do. Conspiracy leads you to spirituality. Spirituality leads you to conspiracy. And if you ignore one side, the light of the dark, then you're not really there. But one thing on on my channel, I especially lately, I do a lot of emphasis on exposing the frauds of the priestly system and how the history, especially when it's rooted in what's called mosaic history, as academia actually still supports and all the corruption that comes out of that, that it's important to expose how that system works to basically give people just like a the front-facing exoteric view of the mysteries and then keep them circling in the cul-de-sac before the gold mine and never taking them to anything more deep. But your work really reminds me that it's, and why I wanted to have this conversation today, that beyond all that, it's actually even more important to revive what was good, true, and beautiful about the system as it contains the keys of our ability to actually know God and know our creator. Well, I mean, this gets to the point of, you know, uh, not to go off course or anything like that, but in your introduction, you had said that there are a lot of gamatricians that go and then they show everything to show the pattern. And you were like, well, that's really not what gamatri is about. And that's really the thing is like, no, the the gamatri, the pattern exists and you should be able to experience and see it and understand it. And gamatri is there to show you that, hey. That exists, not the gamatria is the pattern in that sort of sense. So most gamatricians have it up backwards. So it's like, no, gamatria is there to, you know, is just further proof. It's in the language. It's in all of these symbols and stuff like that to prove the thing that's already there, as opposed to most people go to gamatria, you know, that sort of thing. And as far as the, um, hopefully that makes sense anyway. The, the priest class thing is something that I rail against all the time. You know, because it's like it, it fly, number one, it flies right in the face of what Christ is actually teaching. It's like 100 percent, you know, so like the orthodox position and the like, you know, you have to go to the bishops, just all of that. Like, you know, it's just um, apostolic succession, literal, you know, the literal apostolic succession. That whole thing is just awful. And so, yeah, the when you get into the conspiracy part. The crazy thing about the conspiracy is that most of the people that are in those positions of the priest class are useful idiots. They don't know. They're as brainwashed as anybody else. You know, there are the people that are in the know that are doing that. But as you can see, especially within Christianity, most of them just are clueless. You know, they're just following it because whatever they 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 feel like their salvation is dependent upon that. But they don't they don't have a damn clue, you know. So um, it's a good thing to call it out because you know, it's caused a lot of damage. 
as I found over the years, I mean, I don't know how many, it happened at Music and Sky, it's happened again and again. I don't know how many people have asked, you know, come to me and it's just like, well, I mean, I had all that Catholic trauma over the years because of that, that whole, it's a whole scheme. It's all bullshit. It didn't lead anywhere. It didn't give me any understanding. And now I'm coming to your church and you're telling me to essentially go back into it. You know, like, fuck you, Marty. You know, like that's the, and, and I get that. And I'm like, okay, now that you're there, don't go back into it with that stupid mindset that they, you know, that exoteric as you're talking about. Go back in with fresh eyes, as I did. And then it's going to be a whole different ballgame. You're not going to be tethered to any of that damn nonsense that was pushed by a bunch of bishops that didn't know shit. And that's that's the truth, you know? Yeah. As soon as you lift the scales from your eyes about any book containing history, because no matter how well written and how well investigated, basically there's no such thing as history. It can't, it, <laughs> it just doesn't, it, the past doesn't even exist. There's only right now anyway, it's always just a story. I say, I mean, you can tell history as much as you can tell the future. You might say, people that talk about history, it's like, oh, you're looking into a crystal ball or something? Because that's about how, how much it is. You know, it's like, that's about how legitimate it is in this sense, right? It's only legitimate in the apophatic method, like anything in truth. It's yeah. only legitimate in how you can eliminate what isn't true about history. You can't say you know, what it is or what happened, but you can say this, it wasn't this. <laughs> and so, you know, that's kind of the approach I take towards it as well is more just like ruling out the, the fallacies that are presented to us in the mainstream narratives of history. And then the point, you know, to finish what I was saying is how removing history from your under removing the historical perspective from any holy book, any scripture is what allows you to no longer have a problem with the fact that, for example, the Gospels, there are no manuscripts of the Gospels prior to the sixth century. Is you know, as soon as it's allegory with eight different levels of meaning encoded in it, it doesn't matter when it came from. It's still, you know, it contains truth at a higher level than the attempt to say truly what happened in history with real events. Mm-hmm. And even that, like, I'll talk about history, but I'll say it's always with a caveat. You know what I mean? It's just like you can talk about history, but if you're trying to make your point, whatever it is, whatever your perspective is or, you know, and you're relying on history to make that point, you already failed. You already failed because you can't prove anything that you're saying. You know what I mean? Especially like even even just that, like say, oh, well, we didn't have any manuscripts till the sixth century. That's 15, 14, 16, you know, around that time, 1600 years. There's nothing that anybody could tell me to say that we have any sort of objective linear, quote unquote, record of history for 1500 years. It's bullshit. And all it would take would be is one great reset or one natural cataclysm or whatever it is to completely wipe the slate. And and next thing you know, you got a whole new set of myths or, you know, the, the, you know, if you have just as we see we have right now, we've had clearly Satanist or antichrists or anti-human people that have been controlling the narrative of history for for years and years and years. And so anybody that goes back is like says, ah, oh, the 15th century, we did this. And you're relying on that to be to for your proofs. You don't have proofs. You don't. And this is the thing I think that you're the point that you're making very solidly is that we don't have a history. It's not, there is no objective record of history. And that's not a bad thing because it releases you. Then I get into like, we do actually have a history. It's a mythical history or a mystical history. And that's way potent because that's a whole history about man coming to God. That's, and that's, that's our true history, you know? 
Right. We're looking universal truths rather than temporal truths. Oh, universal absolutely. truths trump temporal truths all the time, every time. Absolutely. So speaking of universal truths, I think it's really a good time to start talking a little bit about the subject I was so excited to have you on about, which is pi, the transcendental number of pi. So I'm going to bring up a screen share here just so we can see. And I think this ought to work. I don't record in Zoom as often. But here we are. We're looking at pi. It's what most people ought to know what it is. But just for review, the mathematical constant of pi is the ratio of a circle's circumference to its diameter. And this is exactly is the key to the riddle of finding the middle. But why don't you just open up with, you know, your thoughts on your opening thoughts on pi and its importance before I start getting into some of the observations that were blowing my mind last night. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess I'll, I guess I'll just talk, I'll say this, like getting into truth seeking over the years, ultimately I got to a point where I recognized that just as, just as we were saying, like, Oh, I went and looked at history and I'm like, well, part of, you know, what can I trust here? Who can I trust? Well, as it turns out, not many, most you can't trust you. Know, that sort of thing. You can't just as we understand as Gnostics, you can't trust men. You can't go to men for your, you know, your answers. And so I was like, at one point in my studies or whatever, I was just like, well, if I can't trust men, what do I trust? You know? And the one thing I was like, oh, you can trust math, right? Like math is not going to lie to you. And I always say, yes, people can lie about math, but math won't lie. Somebody can tell you two plus two equals five, but you can prove them wrong. And so that you know, very young, whatever, early in my truth seeking, whatever you want to say, I got to that. And I was just like, then it got to this, you know, like, wow, that's true. Like there's this like medium that we're given that is absolute proofs, right? To the point where I got to a point where I said, you know, if you want proof of a creator, it comes through a mathematical proof, right? So, so I got to this point where I was like, okay, well, math is this sort of like universal language. It's available to all people. It doesn't change for anybody. It's irrefutable. It's incorruptible. It's everywhere. It's used in all these different capacities. There's not one science that you can do without using it. I don't even care if you're doing psychological analysis. You will eventually come to some sort of geometric thought form or that sort of thing. So ultimately, it came to this thing, looking at the math in and of itself, and then looking at all these constants, whether it's tau or e or pi that are used everywhere. And then you even start asking the question, well, why did the universe give us constants like this in the first place? Right. So ultimately, that came to, well, there's always been this great mystery within math. Forget about mysticism or religion or spirituality. There's always been this great mystery in math, like what's up with pi? You know, it's just like the mystery of prime numbers. Why do prime numbers unfold the way they do? This is just classic mathematical questions and, you know, inquiries. So as a spiritually minded person, I started looking at that as like, okay, well, if, as I've come to find, if mathematics is this sort of language of God, well, then pi must be some sort of important thing within that language. And that was just literally in, in one sense, a very critically thinking, just commonsensical kind of way to look at it. Like, oh, okay, well, there must be something important about pi. It's, you know, and then boom, fire started lighting. It was about it. You know, then it was like one thing here and then here and go here and then lead here. And then you really start, it gets into the core of philosophy because you look at just as we looked at it, it's ratios of circle circumference to its diameter. So for some reason, a perfect circle and you cut it in half, if you will, and you find the relationship between those two geometric forms, 
and it gives you this infinite irrational number. It doesn't just give you three or 3.5. It gives you some of this long string of digits, which make no sense. And you can't find any two numbers to divide, to make them and blah, and blah, blah, blah. And it's always blah. the same, no matter the circumference of the circle, no matter the radius of the circle, always that number. To me, that yeah. you really got to just like sit with that and meditate on that. It it expands and blossoms like in your heart as you give it that attention. It's it's so it's just so fucking magical. It's really awesome. It is so fucking magical. And you, it's one of those things that they become like you know when I say like for like uh, you take um, when you form a thought. You know when I see you say those words like form a thought, and it's like well, what are you doing? Like that's a, you know in a sense a geometric form, and and pi in this sense becomes this the number and the, the the geometry itself becomes this sort of grand word, if you will, or thought within your mind that you can anchor your philosophy on, you know? And I even go so far as to say, when you look at the word philosophy, that's philosophy, it's phi and phi. Well, those, that's another mathematical constant. You know, so it's like the core of, according to the word, the core of philosophy means that you're supposed to study math, you know? So when you say like you hold pi and you hold it in your head and you ruminate on it and you, you ruminate on it and you ponder on it, and you meditate on it, Dude, I did that for, well, still am, but have done it for years, you know? And it's like, when you say that, it's like, yeah, things start popping up and it's like, yeah, dude, like no joke, no joke. That's exactly what happened. I was just like, well, I just rationally common sense using my scientific, you know, prowess in my mind or whatever. It's like, there's something special here. And sure enough, there is, you know, there's so much special here. So uh, first thing that's a fun observation and I'd love to get you talking about is the monogram of Christ, the Chi Rho or the Chi Rho, depending on how you want to say that. Looks mm -hmm. like an X with a P in the middle of it. There's lots of mystical gravy about the Chi Rho, but just that idea of circumference, the ratio of the circumference to the radius. Well, that's a C to an R. And that's like the, the Greek chi is actually could be transliterated into English as a C. So right there, <laughs> you have the, the idea of a C to the R, the first letters of Christ, you know, kind of just mystically hiding out in the idea of pi itself. I know you've done a lot. You've talked a lot about th this symbol. Well, yeah, in, in English, this is X and P. So this would be three and three. So it'd be 33, right? Which is the number of years, Christ, you know, that sort of thing. But then also like chi, like Kiro, Chiro, Cairo, like, you know, Chiro. Well, this is, that's the root of the word chiropractor. What do they do? Adjust your spine, which is what? 33 points. You know what I mean? It's like that sort of, and then the whole thing is even based, you know, when we talk about like, you know, Kundalini, that sort of stuff, like raising up the energy of the spine, that sort of stuff. That's all, you know, your spinal column. So just pretty interesting there, but. And when you mentioned chiropractic, I believe the ancient Greek word that this derives from is chirotonia or chirotonia, which mm -hmm. means the laying on of hands. So now, <laughs> the, yeah, so now the hands are coming into the equation, which there's we'll we'll be getting into that later, uh, mm -hmm. not much later actually. But another fun observation about but can I say one thing too, just Please. in English. Well, like, you know, C-H-I isn't, I'm sorry, got bugs all over here. C-H-I, like, you know, Chiro, right? That's 365 in English Gematria. Le reading left to right, 365 is C-H-I, 365. 
Okay, so now we're talking about the 33 bones of your spinal column and the light of Christ rising up that spinal column. And, you know, and it is the chiropractor that adjusts it. And then of course, what is the light of the sun? Well, what is the, what is the number that's usually attributed to the sun is the solar year 365. You know, it's like, if that's all coincidence, then it's not coincidental. <laughs> you know, it's like, it doesn't even make sense that it's coincidental when you start tacking on all the things that are, that are in the book. You know, um, so yeah, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, that's such an important point. The part of the the mystery of it is the question of how much of this is encoded into our English language on purpose by somebody divinely inspired, and how much of it is synchromistic, if you will. Because <laughs> I can tell you, you know, just from the analysis of dumb movies like the Marvel superhero films that we do on my channel sometimes. I, and I admit I like them, but I have fun with it. But the the logos, I think that why I think that why or one of the reasons why logos or the word is attributed as a title to Jesus Christ and other savior mediator deities in history is because through our language, these transcendental truths reveal themselves in ways encoded beyond the abilities of man, as if God is speaking through us, through our imagination in a way that, because you know, whenever you create something, whenever you use the imagination, stuff comes out that other people notice in it that you never put there on purpose. So I think that that's part of the idea of the logos here, that it comes through us. It's 100%, 100%. In fact, I was just having a conversation with one of the guys at the church there and he was, you know, he was asking, he's like, did you have, you know, really think about this. Have you ever had an original thought, right? Well, I've been saying that for years. Like, no, I don't, you know, like none of this is original. None of this is, I don't, you know, like I'm not smart enough to come up with this shit, you know what I mean? That sort of thing. And then you even look at the word original and it's like the origin of all. So where do all your thoughts come from? Well, it's the words telling you. So when you talk about like, clearly this was encoded. Why? Because there's a structure to it. Because when we can go and we can look and you can say specifically that mathematical constants have been encoded in specific words that, you know, like we can get into seven, we could look at the base 10 system, we can look, you know, all of that sort of stuff, where to a point where it's like, give me your best 10 mathematicians, and I'll sit at a table with them, and I will show this. And I want them to try to mathematically debunk it, and they will all fail. And I, ha I can have that 100% confidence, not because I'm egotistical or cocky or anything like that, because it's math. I don't have to, you could, pr you know, it's like, it's, you're going to get the same answer every single time and you really shouldn't, you know? So um, anyway, when you get into t talking about like, was this encoded and stuff like that? Well, when you look at it, it's like, yes, there's a structure to the alphabet. So whoever put that, they're obviously made a b c that that's you know that that you know there's a pattern there and then when you look at the cipher there's a pattern then you look at how you know once again the mathematical constants that are put in there but did somebody design it i don't fucking think so dude i think people received it were there you know once again got in that state that myth, mystical mythical state of receiving that's what kabbalah is and then it just flows out and you're not a lot of times, even the forethought isn't there. It's just, and, and I, I've, I've talked about that for years. I mean, I'm a musician, I'm a writer, you know, I know what it's like to get into that state where you don't really even feel like you're doing anything. You're just, I call it being a, a stenographer for the Lord, a dictator for the divine, whatever you want to say. And that's what it is. And I think there's been, ma there's been times in history where 
you know, there was a legion, there was an army of, of Christ's in this sense, right? People that were following, that were denying themselves and taking up their cross, if you will, right? And this is how they did that shit. They just got straight in tune with the way, with the, with the Lord, with the Christos. And, you know, this is how the magic happens. So the only thing I can say is that's exactly how I've done things is every time I can get myself out of the way and allow something better to show up, that's when it shows up. You know what I mean? And so, and that's how I do the sermons. I I will sit down and I just stop thinking, (laughs) you know, just, and be like, and, and, and not stop thinking, but you know what I mean? Stop thinking and start receiving. No other way to say it, you know? And in the tradition of the philosopher bards of old, you're also sometimes even busting out the guitar, doing some singing. We're going to talk about that this Sunday, too, because I'm going to talk about um, what what minister means and what a medicine man truly is and, and stuff like that. I mean, actually, let me let me just say this, because maybe I'll forget about it Sunday, but it's on my mind right now. When I went to music and sky and it took me a real it took me a while to realize this but i was surrounded by healers like they were healers like genuine healers and i don't and i don't think like that i'm just like oh this guy does this and she does the you know the, the <laughs> you know this thing and but it's like no no like in in a sense like medicine men you know what i mean like aline mcusick is a healer you know what i mean and she's got her avenue she does what she does you're know, like and then you know, then I'm, you know, I'm talking to Amanda Volner and she, she doesn't do what Malene McCusick is doing, but she's a healer too. And I'm talking to Oswin Sarah and he's like, he does primal movement. He's not doing what she's doing. He's not doing what she's doing. He's not doing what I'm doing, but he's a healer. And then when I got there, I was, I was realizing that, oh, I am too. I'm just doing it in a different avenue. I'm not doing the, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not messing with your aura or we're not doing primal movement here. I'm not telling you what, to, you know, medications you should or should not take, what foods to eat, that sort of thing. That's not, those are not my avenues, but my avenue is a spiritual healer. And I don't know. Um, it was sort of a, sort of kind of an awakening thing. It's like, that's, you know, that's really what we need in this world is people that are, into receiving divine knowledge and then just being the conduit for other people. And I, that's what I see a lot of those, those people as, you know, so. Yeah. Total legends. You just name dropped. Eileen is obviously a healer, but not only that, like she, she healed my life in ways beyond tweaking someone's aura. Like I've never even had a tuning by her from her, but her work. And this is similar to how your work helps people find wholeness. Her work not only gave me the language I needed to communicate with the intelligence of my body and get myself out of stuck energy and the propensity for injury or other forms of stagnant expressions, but also that it was the keys and the tools I needed to heal my life, to not have to do other types of work that I don't feel called to do, that don't resonate with my soul, that the teaching that she provided just in some books. You know, I just picked up the books and started having, started trying it out <laughs> for myself, started experimenting. And that's very similar, very similar because I think your work allows people to recapitulate the the mystic, the mystic side of themselves. The, <laughs> their relationship with spirit is, is highly improved by the ability to actually see it and like marry the the logical and the irrational, the the physical, the material world, and the transcendental. You know, all of that is 
very, very crucial. Now another, but I want to talk about. Can I say? Can I say something really quick? Like going, go. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get off course here. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, if it's well, really, is it is it really good? I mean. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I was just thinking when you were talking. You know, when we were mentioning before about how you know the bishops and the the exoteric and the the priest class and stuff like that actually become this huge preventative you know, almost like a moat or something like that. It's like a big freaking, you know, big great wall of China, keeping them, keeping people from actually understanding, you know, their religion and spirituality and how close to God they are and stuff like that. Those people are supposed to be healers and they're actually doing the exact opposite, you know, and, and in doing that, it gets people to run from Christianity. It gets people to run from and that sort of stuff. And so those people are doing an enormous disservice, whether they know it or not. And so in in short, it's just really awesome to be in a time period where we are right now, even though how everything is, you know, there's lots of dog shit in the world. Don't get me wrong. We know that there's lots of terrorism going around in the world and things like that, but it's also an incredibly it's exciting. It's not the terrorism they tell you about on the news either. <laughs> It's yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah, yeah. It's telling you about terrorism yeah, exactly. are the terrorists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Except Marty well, Leeds. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I, you know what I'm saying. Like it's it's a it's a pretty exciting thing to actually see like real healers. You know, like I just posted a thing from uh, Tippecanoe Tipica, Herbs. You know, on Instagram, basically being like, you know, I said something to the effect of, "It's like." Um, it's great that medicine men are back, but they never really left. Kind of thing. Something to that effect. Because it's like, no, that these people have actually always been there. And it's just now humanity's kind of waking up to the fact that, oh, this stuff actually works and we need to go back to it. That's essentially all I'm doing with Gnosticism and the tradition of Freemasonry and the tradition of the, you know, the mystery school traditions. That's all I did is I went back to it. I'm like, oh, no, these guys actually fucking knew what they were talking about. It actually helps. You will actually start to understand what the Bible is. You'll actually have to start, uh, uh, you know, understand what these symbols mean, you know. And um, anyway, that's awesome. Uh, one of these days, got to get you and Kyle on the same stream. He's, oh, yeah. yeah. He's one of the one of the most like authentically brilliant human beings i've ever met just so knowledgeable shout out to kyle and i love that we brought him up and to get back to pi so here's another one of the mind-blowing things that came into my mind as i was reviewing pi in the english alphabet last night a book which i've read probably all the way through twice in my life and i've only known about it for a couple years it's not a tough read it's it's easy to get through but it's like revisiting has all this value because when you come back to it, you're different and new things will new things that aren't in the text will speak to you from between the lines. And so in this, in this reading, I was thinking about pie as the symbol of a, you know, what represents pie other than the pie letter from the Greek alphabet is a circle with a line from the outside of the circle to the middle. So you take that line apart from the circle, take them away from each other, and you have a one and a zero or an I and an O. So 10 is in there, of course. <laughs> you know, it's the pole in the hole, the masculine and feminine generative powers, which all God and goddess symbolism always reduces down to. That's mm-hmm. our primal ancestor beyond all other things is the divine sacred, masculine and feminine generative powers. That's what the mysteries were always meant to be about 
revealing, supporting, and keeping in flow. Because as the the child between the, the God and goddess, the savior of the Trinity, if you will, is that generative principle, the spark between the two poles, between the mother and father. Because if mom and dad didn't have that attraction to each other, that spark, you wouldn't be here. That is why humanity continues to exist. That's why it's the savior, amongst other reasons. So that's in there. And before I continue, I'll just let you riff on that because you probably have things to say. Well, just even the zero and one thing like that. This is one thing that struck me so heavily getting into like the philosophy of numbers, which is exactly what Kabbalah is. Kabbalah is 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 I don't care what anybody says. I'm here to tell you and get people straight is Kabbalah is number symbolism. That's what it is. That's what you're studying. They're the emanations of God. It doesn't say there isn't uh, different aspects of it, but the core of it is that. Absolutely. Um you start with the first, you know, two numbers, non-number and numbers, zero and one. Well, you you just have physicality and metaphysicality right there. Boom. The first two numbers in your number line, zero is nothing, which means it's not physical. It's a metaphysical. It's beyond the physical. And then oneness is a total physical, right? So right there, you have spirit and matter. You have heaven and earth. You have, I mean, you can attribute this to all sorts of things. Like, um, you know, the, when you look at the beginning of creation stories and they talk about fire and ice or heaven and earth or spirit and matter, this is, you know, that has a mathematical corollary, right? Well, you take that to the Bible and it literally just says it. I mean, there is just like, oh, the, you know, in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth, but the earth was formless and void. Well, how do you create something that's a formless and void? What's formless and void? It's zero. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you have let there be light. And then all of a sudden it's, the material world all gets unleashed and that's when the material world starts getting, you know, starts creating. Then just read through Genesis and what are you going to find? Everything after that, it becomes this duality thing. It's day and night. It's waters above, waters below. It's, you know, it's, the, it's this sort of stuff, right? And so it's like reading between the lines, if you will, it's like they're giving you math. And so then you realize that a lot of these spiritual, at least I did, a lot of these spiritual contexts or concepts and things like that that are at the core of creation stories, they have du a direct relationship to math. And then so me, uh, my thing was like, oh, they just recognized that that was divine in the first place. They just recognized all these cultures just actually recognized what it was. Universal, divine, transcendental, incorruptible, comes from an intelligent source, it is, you know, et cetera. And then and that's when you start realizing, oh, that's fucking sacred. And that's what it is. And so my journey through that was pretty crazy because then I realized you, this is what gets you into conspiracies too, because then it's like, well, why does everybody hate math? Why did they teach everybody to hate math? And that's, you know, absolutely for years going on podcasts, one of the first things people would tell me for years, I'm not really a big math guy. I don't like math. You know, that's turning around now for sure. I don't, you Philologically, know, like philologically, math and mad are the same word as T and, and D sounds yeah. interchange. So like, you know, people get mad when they have to do math. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like the, you know, they, um, the disciples in Greek, I think it's called mathete, mathetes, I think is how you say it. I don't know. I don't, I don't speak Greek, but it's like, it's math, E-T-E-S or something like that. And then of course you have the Egyptian mat, which is like the 42 principles of Mot, mot, math, mat, matter, material, mot, that sort of thing. And then why 42? Well, that's because that's where you establish pi in the number line, 13, 14, and 15. You add those together, it's 42. 
you know, you reverse them three, one, four, one, five, one. That's, you know, pi to 99.998% correct. You know, that kind of shit. It's all those little things that it's like, well, who put that there? Well, who designed the number line? Who gave the, who gave the number line specific, you know, um, you know, the, the, the form that it is and, you know, well, God, the creator, you know, so this stuff is there and this is what these cultures recognized. Um, so, yeah, so getting back to, you know, zero and one and basically, you know, it's like, no, I think there's a reason that our zero looks like a zero, a big circle. And then our one looks like a singular line because the people that absolutely decided upon or received the information or whatever you want to say, our number line and everything like that absolutely knew this stuff. And where this is the other thing I want to I want to make the very important point. These people were also so smart or so connected to God or whatever the hell you want to say that they knew it was so important that if you encoded this stuff in the actual language that people speak, there's no book burning that could be done to ever destroy it. You could burn all the temples, all the books, all everything. But if you actually encoded this stuff in the very words that people use to communicate with one another, it can never get lost. Eventually it will be found again. And it has. <laughs> so, and, and, and in a less dark uh, apocalyptic world, people who speak different languages could know what concept they're communicating to each other through the math, through the gematria. And it would also, at least this is what it's done for me. I'm not going to say it's some, you know, it's going to do this for everybody, but it's also completely allowed me to, anytime somebody tries to make divisions or be like, oh, this, this culture or this, this religious system is more blah, 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 blah. Like that sort of thing. It's like, well, at this point I can see past that. I just can. And I can see the the esoteric truths behind so many of these belief systems. So therefore people that would normally take two religions or two spiritual doctrines or whatever that on a surface exoterically would fight one another. For me, that shit's gone now. I'm like, no, actually at the core, when you really get to the core of what most of this stuff is, you're going to find those same universal truths. And that's what's actually divine about it. That's what's actually sacred. So to me, like the division, the, you know, this religion better than that kind of shit, it just falls to the wayside. And this is why we can do in a Sunday service at a Christian church. Let's talk about the Ojibwe. Let's talk about the Cherokee. Let's talk about the Hamsa. Let's go into the Mayan shit. Let's go to the Norse stuff and have zero issue with it whatsoever. And that, to me, that's the way it should be. So. So, okay. So there's a ton of your work that revolves around the hands. And I would like to get into that some in the first hour. Also, I just got to make a side note about the Greek word for disciple being mathiti. I did not. Somehow I missed that. That's a, I'm sure you've said that on a sermon before, but dude, that's such a huge reveal. I love that. But we have, okay, so we have another slide we can pull up here that shows <laughs> that the key is yeah. in your hands, right? And you also see in this slide the septenary cipher that goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, with G and T being in the middle on that seven point. So there's there's this idea of symmetry in the universe that your hands reveal to you that this septenary cipher reveals as well. And I'm sure there's other reasons for it, but is the symmetry here, you think the reason why the septenary is the 
the correct or the esoteric cipher to the English alphabet as opposed to going up to nine or other versions? Because there's many different ciphers you could apply to the English alphabet or to any alphabet. But the symmetry thing seems really important. And, you know, what <laughs> what are some of the mysteries that our hands are encoding here? Okay, well, the first thing, let's first talk about the the, the septenary cipher and why it just, it, it is the cipher and a superior cipher. And I'm not saying that because mine, or it's not mine, I don't, <laughs> I don't own anything. So, but it just is because if you're a mathematician and you actually understand, you know, uh, some of these like universal constants and things like that, you can just look at this cipher right here and you can already draw out three mathematical constants that are used in things like trigonometry and used in all sorts of different mathematical applications and, and that sort of thing just just by how it's set up so i'll i'll explain okay so first the first thing you're going to see is one two three four five six seven six five four three two one that's how you square a number naturally like if you were going to teach a child hey i'm going to square the number seven seven times seven is 49 how do you do that little jimmy bobby well you all you do is you add one two three four five six seven six five four three two one together and that's equals 49 so in other words the mathematical um you know uh, function of squaring a number is encoded right in the cipher number one so there's that number two it's as you see, it's rests on the G and T there. Okay. Well, it, and it's rests on the number seven. Okay. Well, let's just step back a second. And then if you've done even, you know, two weeks of, you know, class 101 on the study of comparative religions and comparative mythologies, one of the numbers that you're going to find that's sacred across the world is the number seven, and you'll be inundated by it. You'll you'll see it everywhere. I saw it early on. It was like, why seven? Why the fuck seven? Why is there seven days of creation? Why is there seven? Why is the first surah in the Quran seven verses? Why is it, you know, seven, 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 seven? The cipher is based on that. Then you go into the very English word seven. And S-E-V-E-N is uh, six, five, 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 one. That equals 22. And 22 divided by seven is 3.142. It's a common and widely used abbreviation approximation of pi, as I've said for years. So the two numbers that you get from the word seven, which the entire thing is based off, which actually, um, you know, um, um, sorry, uh, squares the number seven, the, the very word seven gives you two numbers, 22 and seven. Well, those are the first two numbers that you can use to even get any approximation of pi whatsoever. Oh, you're well, saying yeah. how the, the gematria value of seven spelled out S-E-V-E-N is 22. Is 22. So in the word seven itself, you're given two numbers, 22 and seven. Well, once again, forget about your mysticism and your esoterica and your religious study. Fuck all that. Just go to regular mathematics and just look it up on Google. What's the first two numbers that you can use to find a an approximation of pi? Even Google will tell you or just your common sense and knowing math will tell you 22 and seven. Period. There's this it. So I knew that before when this was when this was revealed to me, if you will. Right. It's the only way I can even explain it. I knew that stuff because I had studied math crazy. I mean, I was in in depth study. You know, I dedicated myself, focused heavily on math for many years. So I knew that. So immediately I was like, whoa, whoa. Okay, well, that's on the G. Okay, now we can go to the Freemasonic compasses and square. Why is there a G there? Oh, boom. Now we've got that mystery. The hell does that mean? Well, I could tell you all day long. We did a whole live stream on it. Go to the T now because this, as you can see, 
GT. T's on, um, seven is on T as well. That's where it rests. What's T? It's literally the mathematical constant of tau. It's, it's literally, and it even looks like the symbol of half a pi. Look at yourself, right? Okay, well, what's, what's tau? It's 6.28. It's two pi's. It's 3.14 plus 3.14. That's what the mathematical constant of tau is. Well, the T is the second number seven, which means that's the second pi. And that's, so pi, the mathematical constant of pi, the mathematical constant of tau and squaring numbers are all found before you even put any numbers to letters of any words, except for the number seven, save for the number seven, which the whole thing is based on. So that right there, and once again, you could present that to any mathematician. The only way that they're going to deny it is if they want to deny it. They can't deny it mathematically. It's right there. It's something that children could do. The only reason that they would deny it is because it's got some religious connotation or blah, 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 blah. It's bullshit. So anyway, so when you compare just this before we get into heaven and earth and before we get into the base 10 system, before we look at, hey, the number seven is on your hands and your feet, before we get into any of that, just deconstructing that right there, you can get um, uh, 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 two mathematical constants, two of the most important ones, and one of the most important mathematical functions. Show me any other cipher that does that. You won't. You can't. None of them do. And that's what I mean. So, yeah, that's what gives that's definitely the the value in the septenary amongst the way you can apply it to the Bible, for example, also proves it out as being the uh, the correct <laughs> cipher. You know, it's well, and can I say something, too, is that this is the thing that, you know, in general, when you look at other languages, they have one predominant cipher. It isn't to say that other ciphers aren't built for other applications. There are. Right. And in fact, you know, we know that like Edgar Allan Poe had actually put a cipher, I think, in the in the in the um, the short story, the gold bug. He actually encodes a different cipher within the story. Apparently, I, I haven't looked at it in a long time, but it's not a septenary cipher. So you can see that, yes, people have encoded things different ways, that sort of thing. But when it comes to, as you're saying, the Bible, no, the Bible and our language has a specific encoding. And words and and things like that have been created as far as or received or whatever you want to say, according to that. So that the numbers like there's a reason in the septenary cipher, heaven equals 23 and earth equals 24. There's a reason for that. And then we could go all day long and explain that. Why 47? That's the path of the sun. Why 23, 24? You know, how many hours does the, you know, the sun 24 hours in a day and earth equals 24, et cetera. There's all these things that we can go down, but the whole point is that that's there to, in 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 a sense, to prove the things that are being said in the in the Bible. In, in other words, right? Like, hey, we've got a message in the Bible. It's a it's an esoteric and mystical message, right? It's all based on logos and understanding logos. Here's the gematria to 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 prove that, and that's what it's for. And so, um, anyway, and um, most people, at least before. Before I before I started talking about the septenary cipher, people had no idea that this even existed. You know, I knew gematria was a thing, but I had no idea there was a, something like this for English. And the only way I even understood it is when I dedicated myself completely and entirely to God. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of places to go from here, but you know, one thing in philology that, like I've already brought up, we can do is 
look at letters that have uh, the ability to swap between different dialects or different languages, different alphabets, and the G and T being at the seven, the, the middle point, the center of the English alphabet and the septenary cipher is interesting because G to the T would be got, and got is a Germanic way of saying God, since mm-hmm. T and D are interchangeable. But along with that, we could also infer some other ideas like gate, like gat or gate is in there, as in telling you that the the middle is the gate to God. <laughs> and not to, like on top of that, there's the idea of even cat is in there, which is interesting because of all the lion symbolism that accompanies the god or goddess in many different versions of the ancient mysteries. So all that is really fun philology, but it's all about that riddle to find the middle. So in our, you know, this is, I think, what I really want to make sure that we drive home for the first hour listeners is why is it so important to find the middle? Are we talking about finding the middle of our realm, like how the North Pole would be the middle and the center of the earth? Or what does it mean in terms of finding the middle, the center of ourselves? What are we really being pointed to uh, look for in this mathematical constant called pi, which would allow us to know how far away from the middle we were if we knew the circumference of the place that we were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. We, uh, I, I don't know if you want to get into some of this in the next hour or whatever, but. Uh, oh yeah, you know, we will. We got a lot more for the next hour on the same subject. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't know where you want to go, where you want to go with this. I mean, you know, as far as like, specifically when I talk about like, cause you know, I talk about the riddle is to find the middle and we even go like, you know, in the number line, zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and the, the the one in the middle is the number five. And the number five itself encodes the golden mean. And this is literally mean is a balancing point between two extremes. That's what it means. Right? That's the meaning of mean, the goal, and it's golden, which means it's what? It's incorruptible, it's divine, it's sacred, it has that that, you know, that that notion to it. And so even the golden mean itself gives you this sort of message of find the middle or be balanced that sort of thing because that's really what it is when you talk about balance is finding that you know it's like when you you know you go to weigh your heart at the end of the you know your life weigh the heart ceremony it's like oh no a perfectly balanced right would be like boom there's the center kind of thing so you know i say it the best way or the best way to say it is essentially this is that you know we're put in this world of 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 good and evil and ups and downs and highs and lows and 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 all of that sort of stuff and in order to really navigate the best way through it is to find, I mean, it's just what they talk about Buddhism is to find the middle path is to not be hanging out in the extremes and let it be taking you one way or the other, super high, super low. It's like to always be balanced and know that that middle path, that, that way is the way of, of God. And that path is going to bring you the most miracles, the, the most, Times in your life, you're like, oh my god, how the fuck did that happen? You know, all you know that sort of stuff. That's where the magic is, and so, and that's really, um, it's really a a lesson in moderation. It's a lesson in in you know not letting the highs and lows of this place just take you for a ride, and always maintaining that center. And then it goes into everything from like, 
okay, now this is how our cosmology is built. This is how our cosmology is built. There's a pole star in the center of the thing. It's perfectly still. It's in the center. And then and everything else is swooshing, you know, whipping around in this sort of way. And then you find all these cultures. In fact, I just started studying the Paiutes, the, their mythology and stuff like that. And it's the same the shit. Paiutes? Paiutes, yeah, exactly, right? It's hilarious, right? <laughs> I can't wait to do this one, too, because there's these, they, there's like a sheep, and then they put like a ram's head on, and then they go climb a mountain. It's hilarious, dude. Anyway, so it's it's all there. It's all there. That's what I mean. Like, you don't see the divisions anymore when you get there. So, but even in our cosmology, it's like, boom, there's a, there's a center that you're supposed to get to. And even, and that's literally how they say it in cultures across the world and the Hebrew cosmology, they say it, you know? Um, one more thing about the pie, which is really interesting is that I was like, you know, this is North, South this way, right? East, West, North, South. And the, the other night I was just like, it was pretty, pretty dark and I was walking over here and you could see the Milky Way. You can actually see the stars pretty well where we are. because not a lot of light pollution, which is cool. Um, and just just think about that. Just think about the Milky Way, the, the bowl of stars that's above your head and how you experience it. You look up and essentially you see a big it's essentially a big circle of, around you, right? You're, it's circling around you. Everything is. And it's a big circle. And there's a point in the center. And then there's a Milky Way, a diameter that cuts right through that thing. So. Wait a second. So you mean if you were to look top down, you would have basically a compass that does this. And then how many illustrations do you see God with a compass literally carving out the earth, even says it in the Bible that that's what it is. Then you go out and what do you experience? A big circle and a big diameter called the Milky Way that cuts right through it. And so I was looking up and, you know, it's just one of those moments just like, oh, there it is again. There it is again. You know, like, (laughs) it's just, you know, it's that kind of magic. And the world that we're being paddled and fed is trying to get you away from that magical way of looking at things. It's trying to get you from the mystical and poet, you know, that poetic mindset, that divine mindset. And I don't know else to say that, but fuck that. We should bring it back, son. <laughs> I love that description of the Milky Way and the compass, because that's, that's how you know that you're in the realm of truth is when it's self-evident. That's it's simple. Simple and self-evident. Yeah. And that's the beauty of truth and how this place was created was that, you know, built upon these transcendental or universal principles means that no matter where you look, no matter what you look at, the truth will be there. You can't ever be separate from it. You know, you can't leave nature. You can't be. Truth is always in in your face waving at you. (laughs) (laughs) can i just say this can i say this too and this is why it's so important and why we we rail against the 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 gnostics that claim it's all a simulation and and therefore it doesn't have any meaning or therefore blah 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 that's horseshit because as you're saying everything has meaning it's dripping wet with meaning whether it's the hands in front of you the words we're speaking that damn pole star or the milky way that's stretching across your you know your purview or whatever every single one of those things has intense spiritual and divine meaning and directly is speaking to your spiritual path when we when Pete when these Gnostics that are peddling this shit online that are peddling it's all simulation made by a demiurge it's all evil all of that stuff goes away, all of it and that's just not true because otherwise if it wasn't true we wouldn't be able to sit here and talk about it you know and so um, that's why I, I get pretty uh, harsh on that stuff because it's like no you're not going to suck the divine meaning out of 
this realm in the name of Gnosticism, not on my watch. You're not doing it, you know? So the real question becomes, Marty, you know, to oh. go into the next. <laughs> the fractal hands, right? The fractal hands. Yeah. For people just listening, I pulled up an image of a hand with more hands growing out of the fingers. And seriously, the more you look at this stuff, and in particular, Marty's work, it becomes a legitimate question to ask, is this God? You know, is is God a big hand with hands growing out of it, with hands growing out of those fingers and hands growing out of those fingers? Because you see this pattern in nature everywhere, the fractal dendritic pattern in a lightning bolt and the way trees branch out and, you know, just... <laughs> Just wonder, just do some mushrooms sometime and look at your hands. <laughs> you will see God. <laughs> you will see God. <laughs> well, it's funny because ultimately there it's all just um, I don't want to say it's just all symbolic, but they're all symbols to tell you about something that you really can't language. And I think we all recognize that. I mean, talk about a psychedelic psychedelic experience. I mean, if there's one thing that psychedelics will actually bring you to is this notion that there are things that you can't speak. You can't say you're there's no, let me try to explain this to you. Shut up, dude. You're going to fail because it's that grandiose. It's that, you know, words will always fail as a writer. Words will fail. The psychedelic experience will also take you to a place of synesthesia. You know, it's where you smell colors and you see sounds and all this sort of stuff. And that's where that's a boundary crossing, you know, place where you can't you words fail. And so ultimately it's there's uh, it's a symbol. It's something that brings you to a greater truth. And the hand is that in, in, in the flesh, if you will. Right. For lack of a better term, probably a good term. It's right there. It's that reminder that's like, oh, Jesus that the transcendental truths have been put right in front of me. You know what I mean? God is at hand. The kingdom is at hand, that sort of thing. And there's, you know, there's magic here. And so, and to, and to explain what you and I mean, for those that may be listening that don't know, you know, your, your hands, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14, and 14 times two, those are the flanges of your hands, the little, you know, natural segments that God has made right on your hands. That's the seventh triangular number, 28, 14, 14, that's 28. You had one, two, three, four, five, six, magic seven. Boom. That's right in front of you. That's and been, it's, in front a, of it's a moon cycle and there's 13 moon cycles of 28. 13 is what you get when you, that's how many integers there are from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. It's definitely, it's all there in the hands. And then one other way you can find the hand in the septenary cipher that I forgot to mention is the the G or the gamma in the ancient world would be often pronounced like a Y sound. So mm -hmm. you just do that little swap philologically that is permissible in the whole mysticism realm. And all of a sudden the G to the T is your Y to your D. If God, it's the Yod. And Yod is 10 in Hebrew, and it means hand. Mm -hmm. Boom. <laughs> well, and it's, just, it's, and it's all these things, too, that, you know, and it's not just as, as I've come to find, and this is really where it gets to that whole, like, transcendental truth thing, is that it's not just stuck in, like, Hebrew or Greek or whatever. It's like these things are, you know, these notions are really 
are in the mysteries with all of these different traditions and it's there you know like there's just no question about it the the extent of which it's there and all the different ways well i I could work my entire life and not find a tenth of it you know what i mean just because that's how rich this shit is but um it's there you know um in another one hebrew it's like in the beginning god said let there be light and then that notion of god speaking light is something that's you know pretty cross-cultural kind of that sort of thing there's lots of you know cultures that talk about something thereof you go into hebrew and what's mouth it's pie you know pay in hebrew is mouth and it's like okay so what will god spoke pie you know what i mean it's like that's literally what they're saying and that's in their alphabet you know that's um that's pretty potent right there because that's not just this takes it from the realm of religions say some good things and there's some good philosophy and no, 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 no. This is a fucking science, dude. Just, just like those masters, whatever you want to say, or, you know, enlightened people of the past said there was a holy science to it. There is, (laughs) it's just, and that's amazing. Cause then it's just like, Oh, it's not, like I said, it's not just ideas and philosophies and conjecture. And I got some good opinions. No, that's not what we're dealing with. You know? I thought we're, we're there, dude. We got to swap over to our second part, but it's been awesome so far and people can expect even more fun in the second half and people can find you at GnosticAcademy.org. Anything else you want to leave the free listeners with Marty? Uh, no, my record should be on national.com very soon too. It's N A T I O N V L is what it is. National.com. I got Probably five, six records at seven, six, seven records that are going to go up there. So it's cool. Well done, man. All right. Well, we'll see everybody on part two. And thanks for listening. Hallelujah, my friends. It is another wonderful episode for the week. And it was good. I'm so happy every time I get to hang out with Marty, his wife, especially awesome. We've been blessed to spend time together as families, my wife, his wife, the four of us. And now that he's moved to Missouri, that's going to be happening a lot more. So lovely, lovely. And this conversation, I think, is a timeless classic. I hope to have captured the juice that I was really trying to squeeze out of (laughs) Marty for this conversation, the pie thing. I don't know if it can be translated through words to another person, but there's a feeling, there's a feeling that one can find in this riddle that (sighs) puts the fear of God in you. (laughs) It's more like, it's not like fear, like scared, but awe. There's something so awesome about it. And I get that feeling a lot whenever I'm looking at the mathematical aspects of this creation the evidence of the constructed nature of our reality, not that that's a negative thing, but that this isn't random. I th- you can look at flowers and figure that out. <laughs> like the fact that the flora of the world has this artistry to it, that everything in the world has artistry to it. It is obviously a thing of beauty. Randomness and chaos just can't account for the order and this type of Pursuit, the mysteries of the math, I think is one of the best ways to maybe snap somebody out of their 
I don't know, materialism, their atheism, if they were interested in taking a look, because that's the way that most people are skewed in the world right now is the left-brained type of imbalance where it's all got to break down to parts and pieces that fit together and make sense. And the transcendental numbers, <laughs> they, they defy, obviously, logic. They're irrational numbers for a reason. Anyway, if you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did and maybe you want to hear the second hour, head over to Rockfin or Patreon. Links will be in the show notes where you can get the second half by becoming a Plus member, Interverse Plus, $5 on Patreon, 15 on Rockfin, but it's not really just Interverse that you get for Rockfin. You get to support a ton of other independent creators, and it's a lot better price of admission than, say, Netflix or Disney Plus, something like that. In the second hour of this talk with Marty, we got into Godel's incompleteness theorem, which is a way of understanding closed systems like the alchemical flask that is our reality, our realm. Funny, too, that one of the best philosophers for comprehending the need for a creator or an outside agent to understand what's inside is named Godel, which is God L. Very funny. We also talked about What's at the center of the realm? What's the North Pole? Discussed Jesus as the Demiurge, not in a negative sense, but as the firstborn of the first cause. And what does it really mean that there's a savior? Is, is this just a metaphor? Is there actually a consciousness out there or a, some kind of entity, if you will, that pre-exists the rest of the universe and that we can go through as a mediator to the savior or the, uh, the creator, <laughs> you know, the source, the still white light, the middle. I liked that part of the conversation a lot. I've, uh, it's something I bring up with people occasionally and I didn't ever feel satisfied until <laughs> getting Marty's reflection on it. We also talked about the eternal cycles of destruction and regeneration, ascension cults in a, not a good way. The individual's transcendence, what it means to go to heaven, what happens after we die, obviously just speculation. And we talked about why God is hilarious and the ultimate comedian as we see the example of Marty getting his dream come true from a younger time in his life and making it onto a heavy metal website. <laughs> what do you, you always wanted that. It's funny. You know, so a few of the things that didn't make it into the convo that I would love to have thrown at Marty, but just didn't see where to weave him in is a more about like pie. So I think one thing that was missing for me with the riddle of pie is the circle and line as the way that pie is drawn, like a circle with a line from the circumference into the middle that if you separate that line and that circle, you have a one and a zero, which is binary of course. And it's also 10 but that's also I-O. It could be the letter I and the letter O. And I-O is one of the oldest names for God. Yo, Yah. can also take that line and that circle and combine them to get a nine. And nine has that mystical quality of always returning to itself. Anything multiplied by nine, the product will add to nine. Anything added to nine 
whatever is added to it will be itself if reduced down, you know, like five plus nine is 14. And if you combine that one and the four of the 14, you get a five again. So nine is kind of like this alpha and omega in and of itself. Now, as we were talking about the cipher, the septenary cipher in the English language, it's fascinating that 26 letters gives you two full cycles of 13, the 13 cycle being 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Because Dylan's work has shown a lot of this too, Dylan Sarkosio, that oldest alphabets had 13 letters. That's seemingly the oldest ones I've ever seen or heard of. I don't know of any fewer than 13. And so if that's the smallest alphabets from antiquity, then they're probably the oldest as well because things would add, not remove letters from an alphabet. Which means at some point, possibly, people who already had this idea of septenary or like the spiritual significance of seven thought, well, 13 letters is a perfect number for an alphabet. You know, the old 13 letter alphabets give you that. Perfect. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And I wonder if future people maybe will mirror it again and have a 39 letter alphabet. That seems kind of extreme, but who knows? Maybe 13 seemed like all you needed back in the day. Or what if it's English all the way down? And by that, I mean, what if English is one of the oldest alphabets there is and Somewhere in the middle, things have been made up and added to a fake timeline to kind of Tower of Babel us out of the mystery and the mysticism of 26 letters. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem that way, but it's fun to think about. <laughs> there are some threads out there that would maybe lead you to believe that English is a lot older than we're told. But when I say that, it's maybe the alphabet that's older or a version of the alphabet that's older. Obviously, spoken languages evolve over, evolve over time, and that's just the fact of it. That doesn't change. So I hope you guys out there spend some time pondering pie. You know, maybe light up a, a pipe <laughs> while you're pondering pie. There's endless reward in this particular riddle to find the middle. And I love the whole idea of balance that this conversation took on as a theme, being that it's the first episode of Libra season, that this is coming out right around the equinox. That's beautiful. That's perfect. So you guys out there, hope you're having a great time wherever, whenever you are. Check out interversepodcast.com slash sound dash healing for info on how to get a tuning session with me. There's also links in the show notes for a bunch of other ways you can support the podcast. I recommend trying out Tippecanoe Herbs. Get some of their really, really great products and use Interverse as your 10% off coupon code. Try the hydrosols, try the tinctures, try the incense. It is all good. The teas, oh man, the teas are great. And I'm going to play you guys out with the track, you know, because Marty is a musician as well. So I just downloaded, this is a, a steal, his entire musical musical catalog is available for download for 22 bucks. Seems like 
he's just giving it away. So I picked one I like off of there and we'll rock out at the end. You guys, much love. See you on the next one. Take good care of yourself out there and each other. Bye-bye. Orion be my stars tonight Fields grow new with the spring of life In this sheath of truth will I wrap myself tight The landscape it goes for miles The myths of old they breathe in me life Strength comes to those who attest their mind. Purity is a blinding light so bright. Guiding us to the highest of heights. Running with the wolves and chasing the sun. Sometimes the moments can catch you undone. Great spirit in the birds that fly In the whistle of a calling cry In the whistle of a calling cry Cold wind, lift me on your wings Fully satisfied in what our mother brings Thirst is quenched by all the songs you sing Heaping tables fit for kings Running with the wolves and chasing the sun Sometimes the moments can catch you undone I see the great spirit in the birds that fly Oh